You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. It's great to have you with us, whether you're in the room, whether you're listening to us online this morning. We're just so glad that we get this opportunity to share together with you. Did you know that the difference between a Nobel Prize winner and the average person is simply this, the size of the questions that you ask. The size of the questions that you wrestle to the ground with every day whilst you're uh, going about your business when you're sometimes daydreaming. The questions that enter your mind directly determine the size of the person, not just that you are, but the size of the person that you are becoming. Now, it is my expressed, I guess, um, uh, conclusion that you being here this morning is indicative of the fact that you want to be a bigger person. You want to have a greater influence in your life. You want to have a bigger impact upon the world than you've had. And the answer to that, of course, is ask a bigger question. Most people spend their entire life just dealing with questions pertaining to themselves. Am I happy? What makes me happy? How can I get happier? What is it I don't have that I want? How am I feeling today? Uh, What do I believe? And all their questions revolve around themselves. But I believe that you and I have an opportunity and we've been called indeed by God to live influential lives that matter in this world, not just to myself and not just to those around about me, but indeed to the community where God has placed me. In fact, indeed, to the planet. Uh, I believe this morning that your life is going to matter, that your life needs to matter, just beyond, uh, not just in the context of your family, but your life needs to matter in the context of this community. Um, people of faith, you may not be aware of this, but people of faith, uh, on average, are more generous than people who don't have faith. And there's a, a really significant reason why. And this morning, I'm, I'm going to uh, either remind you of this in of this uh, this reason this piece of information or i'm going to introduce you to it now if i'm going to introduce you to it just a a slight word of warning if you're here this morning and you're not a a follower of jesus christ you might find this a little mystical you might find it a little unbelievable uh and that's okay because i just ask you to consider it because it is actually central to the teaching of jesus christ the idea that i'm going to share with you about this morning was clearly foundational to the teachings of Jesus and this guy we call Paul the Apostle. But I want to suggest it's it's actually cornerstone to living a large life. If you can take this idea and if you can scribe it on the tablets of your heart, so to speak, that is, this idea can become the center of your thought process, then I believe this will open up your life to something greater, something larger, in fact, to real life itself. We're going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, where we see Paul introduce this idea to his beloved son in the faith, Timothy. And uh, well, let's just read it and see what he has to say. He says in verse 17 of 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Just leave that verse on the screen behind me. 
Did you see a few strange things in that verse? Let's, let's, let's have a look at the first few words. Command those who are rich in this present world. Let me ask you, do you know anybody who's rich in any other world? <laughs> I mean, what a strange thing to say. Command those who are rich in this present world. In that phrase, in, in that one statement, Paul tips his hand to the fact that there is more to this life than this life. That's a really important thing as we get into this teaching to soul away in the back of your head because that's the foundation of it, really. And then he leads us to the second part where he goes on about our hope. He says, don't put your hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in finances, which is easy to do, right? But in God, who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. He's indicating here something that happens in the heart of man. And that is the more wealthier we become, and if you want to take this nation as an example, we are probably the, the first or the second or the third wealthiest nation in the world. The wealthier you become, there is this migration that happens in terms of your hope. You no longer trust in God, but you trust in what your wealth can provide for you. In other words, we start to think that our wealth can provide our future, our wealth will make a way for us and not our God. I want to give you a maxim this morning, a big idea, which I hope is where we end. I'm going to put it up there right now. I'm going to put it on the screen behind me. I'm going to, going to get us all to say this together. But it's a great maxim for life. It says this, I will not put my hope in riches, but him who richly provides. Let's all say this together. I will not put my hope in riches, but him who richly provides. Come on, let's say it now with a little bit more kind of, you know, belief, a little bit more enthusiasm, okay? I will not put my hope in riches, but him who richly provides. It seems to me that that maxim, which everybody in this room who claims they're a Christian would probably vote for, is not possible, that's the second half of the verse, characterized, right? Just um, summarized. Is not possible without you first buying in to the first part of the verse. And the first part of the verse was about being rich in this present world. In other words, there's more to this world than this world. He goes on, he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. It's a strong word he uses there. It's not a suggestion. It's not a request. It's not an idea. It's a requirement. Command. He says, command them to share. Command them to do good. And he goes on and says, in this way, this is powerful. You've got to get this, right? He's landing the idea here. In this way, they lay up treasures for themselves as a foundation for something that's not yet here, as a foundation for the coming age. This is bizarre, isn't it? Because you think when you give something away, you've lost it, don't you? That's, that's the natural way of thinking. If I had this and I've given it, then I have it no more. But Paul has just challenged that thought. 
And he's basically given us reason to contemplate or, or, or to buy into the idea that this, that is this. We all know we can't take it with us, but did you know you can send it on ahead? <laughs> you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. A powerful, powerful thought. Command those. Uh, in this way, they lay, this, they lay out for themselves treasure as a firm foundation for the coming age. So that, and this, look at, look at the, the second part of this verse. So that there's a reason they do this. Right? There's a reason that they take their resources, they send it on ahead to the next age, to heaven. If you do this, he says, you'll be able to lay a hold of life that is truly life. I want to suggest to you, I started off by saying the difference between a Nobel Prize winner and you and me, like the average person, is they ask a bigger question. I, I want to suggest to you that if you buy into this idea that it opens up the world to you and you are able to ask bigger questions of your life, there is something that is released on the inside of you where you're no longer confined by, we've talked a lot about upgrades and experiences, but you literally move into influence and legacy. He's saying that if you view your wealth through the lens of eternity, it will lose its grip on you and you'll have an open hand and you will lose your grip on it. If you can see your wealth through the lens of eternity, it will lose its grip on you and you will lose your grip on it. You know, that incredible teaching from Paul that he's giving to his beloved son, I think I know where it came from. Um, Paul was not a follower of Jesus when Jesus was walking on the planet. He was late to the party, as they say. But he would have sat down with Peter with James, with John. And he would have listened with intent interest as they relayed the stories and the parables and the, the big ideas that Jesus put down as cornerstones for life. Paul, I, I, I think, would have, would have just sucked that stuff in like a, like a hungry child. In fact, there's only one time, this is interesting, there's only one time in all of Paul's ministry where he quotes Jesus now, he never heard Jesus when he was speaking. From what we can gather, he wasn't part of the, the Jesus clan. But in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he quotes Jesus where he says this, remembering the words of Jesus himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's the only, if you've got a red letter edition Bible, the red you'll find uh, uh, that, that, that Paul indeed ever brings about in any of his dissertations or of any of his sermons he directly quotes jesus on this one moment uh, i i think that he was probably really taken by a parable that i want to talk about uh share with you uh, this morning for just a few moments where jesus gives some clarity to these this argument that's going on about greed and jesus makes up a story that just cuts through the argument like a knife Let's look at the story because it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a crazy story. It's a profound story. Um, it's found in Luke chapter 12. 
And uh, Jesus starts it off. He tells a parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now, now let me just give you some kind of background here. Jesus is the master communicator, right? When Jesus says something, he's always taking his audience somewhere. And he makes this phrase. And where does this take you? I tell you where I reckon it took his audience and where Jesus was taking them on purpose. There was a certain rich guy, it says, who had a, a field that yielded an abundant harvest. How do you feel when you hear the rich get richer? How does that make you feel? When you hear, let's just say it's your brother or your neighbor, right? Or the kid you went to school with or somebody like that, right? How do you feel when you hear the story about the rich getting richer? Huh? Does that fill you with all kinds of hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen, I'm so happy? <laughs> or do you go, yeah, that'd be right. Yeah, the rich get richer. That's the way the world is. Okay, so anyway, i just put that out there. <laughs> I think you get the point, right? And he thinks to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Oh, poor rich boy. He's got so much stuff. He's got nowhere to put it. Oh, come on, a little bit of sympathy for the rich dude now. Come on, folks. Oh, I mean, Jesus is playing with his audience, right? He's going, poor rich boy's got nowhere to store all these fast cars. Isn't this dreadful? And, and, and there's, a, there's an irony about this, right? Because nobody's really going, oh, this is such a terrible story, poor rich boy. What's going to happen next? They're all kind of thinking to themselves, dirty, rotten scoundrel, you know. This poor bloke's got so much stuff, he can't find a place to put it, and I'm struggling to pay my electricity bill. And yet Jesus is kind of, you know, there's this, there's this, this sympathy, false sympathy, that, that, that he's trying to create around poor, poor, pitiful, rich boy who's got so much stuff that he can't find anywhere to put it. Dear, dear, dear. Then he said to himself, this is what I'll do. He has this idea. Smart rich boy. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Now that gives you some insight into the value of the crop. Because I can tear down my barns and put up bigger ones and this is still in my financial advantage. <laughs> and there I will store my surplus grain. I will save it now. And I will use it later. I mean, we've made an industry out of this in this current climate. Uh, it's called Storage King. But anyway, just thought I'd let you know that. <laughs> I've got nowhere to put my stuff. I know, I'll hire someone else's shit and throw it in there. It's actually a thing in society today. <laughs> That's how we sort of finally caught up to this story, actually. Um, Jesus has, by the way, just put out the most profound truth. I don't know if you picked it up. He's just described greed. Greed is the assumption that everything in my hand is for my consumption. That's the definition of greed right there. The definition of greed is everything in my, is, is the assumption that everything in my hand is for my consumption. Everything that comes to me is for me. And that's what he's just done. I know what I'll do. I'll stir it now. And I'll eat it later. And I'll say to myself, in the next verse, cop this. I'll say to myself, this guy, 
he's a, he's a rock star, right? This guy will be on the front page of Money Magazine, right? I reckon Scott Pope would do an article about this guy, the barefoot investor. <laughs> he says, I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain. Smart boy, laid up for many, many years. I'm going to take it, I'm going to retire. Now, we don't know how old he was. Maybe he was 65, maybe it's 66, maybe he was, we don't know. But we do know that he's got to a point where I got so much stuff that I don't need to work anymore. Hands up if you've ever, no, don't put your hand up. <laughs> if you've ever thought to yourself, oh, baby, that's my, that's my goal. <laughs> I want to have so much stuff that I don't have to work anymore. Hands up. No, don't hands up because uh, anyway, there's a mindset here that we're about to challenge. So, so stay with us because this is going to get interesting. In fact, Jesus is about to shock his entire crowd. Jesus is about to shock because he's got them all feeling, yeah, rich bloke, can't stand rich guys. All right, you, you got to wait to see what's about to happen. What's about to happen is about to shock. In fact, if you're riding a push bike past this crowd in a moment, you'd get sucked in vortex of everybody going, <gasps> that's how shocking, <laughs> that's how shocking what I'm about. So don't, don't tune out, okay? Now's not a time to check Facebook, now's a time to look at me. Because in this culture, uh, they, there was a kind of uh, a thought that if you were blessed, it's because God was blessing you. Uh, Abraham, right, the father of the Jewish people, was a very wealthy guy. He was called the friend of God. And so it wasn't without foundation. This was a fair assumption to arrive at, that if somebody is blessed, if somebody has an abundance of resource, then they're the friend of God. God gives them the big thumbs up. Now, I don't like it much, because I wish God would give me a few more thumbs up. But he's given them thumbs up, so whatever. That's the way it is. Listen to this. Watch this next verse. Watch this carefully. Watch this space. But God said to him, so this is what God thinks of the rich dude who's got so much stuff that he can't fit it in his barns. God says, you fool. And everybody would have gone, but he was, that's not, he's a friend. God likes the guy. He's He's been brought into God's inner circle. What do you mean, you fool? God says, this is Jesus speaking, talking about, let me just give you context where he says, you fool. You fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. So he died and he was standing before God, right? Remember we talked about there was rich in this age. Paul said, commend those rich in this age as if there is another, another time. We are now getting a view into that other time that Paul alludes to. That's why I reckon that writing was based on this parable. Um, you fool, the very night you've died, then, listen to this. So, so the, the question you've got to ask yourself is, why is God calling the fool? See, because when you hear that, what goes on inside your head? I, I suggest this. Good, I didn't like him either. <laughs> right? I can't stand rich guys who get richer. I can't stand people who flaunt their wealth, 
who've got so much while I'm over here struggling. God says he's a fool. And I wasn't expecting it, but I kind of like it. <laughs> I kind of like the rich dude's a fool. It kind of fits with me. I kind of wear it well. And so, and so I'm kind of shocked on the one hand, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I'm with God on the other hand. And Jesus knows this. He's the master communicator. He's just sucking this crowd right in to make the most profound life-changing point. Why is he a fool? That's the question, isn't it? Why did God, was he a fool because he was rich? Uh, 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 People who were rich, foolish? I'm sure, right? Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be fair to say that he's a fool because he's rich, because there are rich people who are very wise, correct? So it's not just because he's rich, and surely it's not because he's, you know, he's been so rich that he's got more than he can spend. I mean, again, Jesus actually gives us some insight into why, and this is the point. You've got to get why God calls him a fool. And the reason why you've got to get this is because you don't want this, do you? Do you want to be the fool? I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I'm so glad you're here this morning because for some of you, you were heading right to be called a fool until you came this morning and found out why. Why God calls a rich, you might think, well, I'm not a rich guy. As I said to you a minute ago, if you're born in this country, you've won the lotto on world, world uh, economics, but uh, that's perhaps for another day. Why did he call him a fool? What is God's value system? Listen to this next phrase. Then, who will get what you've prepared for yourself? You're a fool. See, you thought that your time couldn't run out because your wealth hadn't run out. How can my, my wealth is going to go all the way to here? Then surely my time will go all the way to there if my wealth goes all the way to there. My wealth went all the way to there and my time went here. I thought there was a correlation between my time and my wealth. That was his assumption, wasn't it? Right? I'm going to eat and drink forever now. Hey, it's all cool. And God says, you're a fool. There was a correlation, but you had the wrong one. Whilst you have this life, there's a test. Whilst you have this life, you have time. In this life, to lay up for yourself treasure into the next life that Paul just told us will become a foundation. So it's, it's, it's not an entrance for you to get into it. We know, understand that, that that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's not even up for discussion. But that once you get there, the way you live for eternity There is a direct correlation between that and what you do now, how much you send on ahead. And what what Jesus just said to this guy, or said to the crowd, I should say, is this guy's just lost everything. He's a fool. Who's going to get it? And of course, the answer to that is somebody else. Because you get no credit for what you leave behind, only for what you send on ahead. This guy had an incredible opportunity to send it on ahead and he didn't take it. And Jesus said, you're a fool. You had time and opportunity and you didn't 
take it. That's the definition of a fool, not, my, not according to me, but according to God. You're a fool if you just make up for yourself time in this space. In fact, um, sometimes I think we believe that we can save ourselves to safety. You know, I'm going to save, I'm going to invest, save and invest and save and invest so that inflation won't touch me, so that recession won't touch me, so that if I get the sack, I'll be cool, I'll be, I'll be great. And what, what happens is our, um, our hope migrates from the one who richly provides everything to our enjoyment to worldly wealth. You see how that works? Because we don't have the eternal mindset on the temporal stuff, worldly wealth. The big idea here is that very concept, that you need to take an eternal perspective on your temporal provision, on your temporal wealth. That's the definition of wisdom. You say, are you sure? Are you sure that's what he's, he's getting at? You know, Jesus, he's so, he's so smart. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, he's saying this, and he's probably thinking, you know, John's going to try to tell these people in Ipswich in 2,000 years' time, and, and, and they may not believe him, so I'm going to have to make it so clear that even the slowest of them can get it. <laughs> so he says this in the next verse. This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. They'll be called a fool. How much clearer can I be? Jesus must be saying. This is how. What? This is what how? How what? What's he talking about? Standing before God and being described as a fool. This is how it will be, he's saying. For anybody who stores up things for themselves. Right, I got to look after myself and to, as I move forward, I eat, drink and be merry, whatever, whatever it might happen to be. But he makes it clear that in itself isn't wrong. There's nothing wrong with storing up for yourself. Because he says, but does that and is not reach towards God. Now, what does rich towards God actually mean? Let's just hang out on this little phrase for a moment because it's important you understand this. Because in that culture 2,000 years ago, um, and it really didn't matter who or what your God was, right? So if you were a worshiper of Zeus, you had to be rich towards Zeus. If you were, a, you know, you're, you're, in a, you're a Greek or something, and what you would do is you'd take an animal or, or gold or some, you know, uh, offering and you'd bring it to the temple and you'd give it to the priest and that's how you'd be rich towards God. <laughs> Jesus is about to turn the whole of the religious world on its head and it will never again be the same. Ready for what he says next. He says this. Sell your possessions. Don't put it in storage, King. <laughs> Don't build for yourself bigger barns. Don't think to yourself, somehow I've got to put my hope in, in resources and protect myself against inflation and unemployment, blah, blah, blah. Give them to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not fail. 
where thieves cannot come near, where moth can't destroy, and what we would probably say in our culture, where inflation cannot reach. You want to inflation-proof your life. You want to make sure that you are prepared for the, the real game, if you will. This is the test. We are here, if you like, in the departure lounge. But eventually, we board the plane. Eventually, we leave the departure lounge. This temporary dwelling, we call this life. And we move to what is the real point of our existence, eternity. We've got to have this eternal mindset. This is the definition of smart. Jesus is his drawing. He said, this is foolish, but this is smart. You're a fool if you hoard everything for yourself just for this life. Realize this life's going to be over in a moment and set yourself up for eternity. That's what a wise man, that's what a wise woman does. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. When you begin to see your world through the context of eternity, it loses grip on you and you lose your grip on it. He makes it so clear a little bit later in that passage where he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You need to know that the devil himself will team together with the system of this world to try to win your heart. And you, you, know, you know where your heart lies. I'll tell you how you know where your heart lies. Your heart lies where your mind wanders. Your mind always wanders towards your heart. You know that because if, you, you know, if you've just fallen in love with this beautiful woman and your heart is there, right? And whenever your mind wanders, it wanders to her. Um, if you're troubled deeply in your heart by a family circumstance, by a health issue, when your mind wanders, it wanders there because your mind will always wander to where your heart is. So if you want to know where your heart is, simply ask yourself, where does your mind wander to? When you stop, you know, when you start thinking, what's, what's are the thoughts that fills your mind? That's where your heart is. And, and, and this world system will attempt to get you to fill your heart with problems, with your own issues with the issues of your immediate circumstance and take you away from the eternal worldview. Take you away from God. God wants to be at the center of your world. God wants to be the one where your mind wanders to when your mind wanders. God wants to be in your heart. And Jesus here just made this profound observation. If that's what you want, then put your treasures there. <laughs> your heart will wander towards the position of your treasure. It, look, if you want to test this, if you don't believe it, I'll, I'll give you a test. Go and buy shares in a company and then when they, those little things come across the bottom of the screen telling you the share values of the day, note the one that you notice. <laughs> Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Profound thought from Jesus right there. So let's come back and let's finish with this verse that Timothy received from Paul. In verse 19 of 1 Timothy 6. I just told you what I think motivated it, where it was coming from. Now you understand the context, what's in Paul's mind as he's writing this. He says, in this way, talking about people with wealth, they lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age that releases them so that, right? So as a result now, they may take hold of life true life 
I believe if you do this, this releases you to ask bigger questions of your current experience. If you start to take an eternal perspective on your temporal resources, a world opens up to you and you're not just concerned with yourself, you're not just concerned about your things because he's already indicated that God provides us all things for our enjoyment. But you actually start to ask the question, how can I be involved in something bigger than just my circumstances? How can I move into legacy and influence and away from just experiences and upgrades? You see how this works. And I reckon, there's only one, let me get real practical now, there's only one way to do this. If you believe what Paul and Jesus have said, then as your pastor, can I tell you, there's only one way to do this. You're, you're gonna, please write this down, because this, this, this could change your life. There's only one way to do this, only one. And that is, you need to have a savings plan, a spending habit, and a giving plan. You need to have a plan for saving, a plan for giving, and a habit for spending. Too many people in the world today are what I would call 3S givers. Put this up on the screen. 3S givers. They give spontaneously, sporadically, and sparingly. What I mean by that is, they give when they're emotionally moved. Oh, wow. Look at that situation. That's so sad. I should really do something. Oh, look. I got a spare 50 in my wallet. There you go. Oh, what a generous man and woman I am, you know. I just gave a we we give spare we give from our leftovers, right? We give after we've 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 paid everything else. We give from our leftovers. Can you afford? Do you have a sp- some spare change? Is there anything at the end? We give spare that's what sparingly is. We give sporadically, here, there, here, there, here, there, and spontaneously when we're moved emotionally. I I, I want to say to you this morning, never give on the basis of emotion. If you're going to live wise, as Jesus just, you know, basically said, you should, then you need to be a triple P giver. Priority, percentage, and progressive. Be a triple P giver. Priority, number one. It doesn't come from the end, it comes from the start. I'm not giving from my leftovers. I'm treating God like a dog and giving him the leftovers. I'm giving him from the first. I'm a priority giver. He must be a priority and I'm gonna give a percentage. It doesn't matter what happens in my life, how much blessing or whatever happens, I'm gonna give a percentage. But I'm not gonna be stuck on that percentage. I'm gonna be progressive about it. Um, Don't settle for where you've been in the past. Move forward, say, I can give more. We started this series, and I'm concluding it today. We started this series, if you were not here, look for the Wealth Mindset 1 on our podcasts, um, talking about the Jewish mindset of wealth. They were the wealthiest people on the planet by far. Second is daylight. We went back to a promise that God gave them in Deuteronomy. I will give you the power to get wealth. When they were a vagabond nation wandering through the desert, didn't have land, they had nothing, basically. Um, a, a bit of gold that they'd been given by the Egyptians when they left, and that was it. God said, I've given you the power to get wealth. And he, they, he institutes a system. And in that system, there were first fruits, tithes. There were three types of tithes. There was a tithe they gave to God. There was a tithe they paid to themselves. And then there was a third tithe, which was the, the tithe they paid to themselves every third year they gave it to the poor. 
Now, I, I don't know if the secret source of that is in the percentages. I, I don't know. But I can tell you what I, I believe, the principle, because I think the principle is so much more important than the percentage. The principle, I think, is simply, if you practice this, God was saying to his people, the Jewish nation, um, what will happen is that you'll be released from stuff so I'll be able to bless you, but you'll have stuff that I'll be able to bless by paying yourself. You're being released from stuff, the grip of stuff, right? The stuff of this world will not hold you. You won't hold it. You'll be released from it, and then I'll have something to bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 